and welcome to a special episode of the show. Come with us on a field trip to the Museum of Natural History as we celebrate the 99th birthday of my favorite Haligonian, Gus the Gopher Tortoise. What is it about this expressionless old man that we all love so much? You'll have to listen to find out. I'm Tara Thorne, and this is The Tideline. In 2018, my good friend and colleague Jacob Boone nominated Gus the Gopher Tortoise to the Order of Nova Scotia. He gathered support materials from the likes of Megan Leslie, Way Mason, and the Ecology Action Center. The nomination did not work out, but Jacob wrote a terrific cover story for The Coast, where we both worked at the time, about Gus's impact on the museum and the city. This is from the intro to that story. He has reigned over Halifax's hearts longer than Queen Elizabeth II has ruled the British Empire. She sits on a throne under a golden crown. He lives in a plexiglass enclosure under the warming glow of a 150-watt heat lamp. A humble life of no less magnitude. Gus, the Museum of Natural History's gopher tortoise, is an icon unparalleled in this city. He is a living conductor of wilderness awareness, a multi-generational ambassador of conservation who has stirred the imaginations of millions over the past three quarters of a century. Beyond that, Gus holds a special place in this city's heart. He's the bedrock foundation of Halifax's identity. Generations have grown up looking down into that expressionless gaze. Our faces age, his stays carved. So I've called Gus my favorite Haligonian for a long time. I love the idea of him as a mascot for the city. It's such a weird little Halifax quirk, one that has nothing to do with the down-home Fisher stereotypes that I hate. Once I was doing a live interview in the museum's basement with the comedian Jen Kirkman, and I texted her to meet me by the gopher tortoise. And when she showed up, she said, oh, there's actually a tortoise. It's just so random and so lovely. And I have more than once, I go to Gus's birthday party every year, but I've also been there at other times. And I've more than once slipped in a sign that says, follow the tortoise in front of his enclosure and taken his photo for my Simpsons friends because I just think he's neat. So Palmer and I, we're going to pack up, we're going to sanitize, and we're going to head to the museum and we're going to talk to some people about Gus. What type of turtle like this? Gus is a gopher tortoise. A gopher tortoise? And where do gopher tortoises lay their eggs? In the water. Gopher tortoises? No, they wouldn't be in the water. Gopher tortoises have, have something called a den or a burrow. Um, and that is kind of like a habitat that they would dig out of the dirt uh, and then they would lay their eggs in there. Uh, my name is Jeff Gray. I'm the curator of visitor experience and exhibitions here at the Museum of Natural History. And tell me about how Gus came to be here. Gus has been at the museum since the 1940s. He was purchased by a former director who was on a trip to Florida. Uh, he bought a number of, of live animals and specimens on that trip. For five bucks, right? Yep, 
for five dollars. Five American five. or Canadian dollars? I've never known. I'm going to assume American dollars. <laughs> yeah, they don't. They don't care for. They a may have been debit. closer in in numbers at the time, <laughs> yeah. but um, and and actually, and I know that this may not resonate, but right now there is a a another specimen in our wonderful exhibit of a snake that he purchased at the same time. What? And so it's one of those rare times where we've actually have something else from the Gus times. What's the snake's uh, name? View. He was nameless as far as I know. Oh. <laughs> you should have a contest. <laughs> Maybe we will. <laughs> um, so is it true that he roamed free for decades? That is my understanding. For at least a decade or more, he sort of roamed the, the Nova Scotia Museum site when it was on Spring Garden Road, mm-hmm. uh, next door to what is currently the, the library. Uh, he did roam quite freely there. Uh, his, his care has become significantly more part of the museum's work, certainly over the last 30 to 40 years uh, of the 50 that we've been here. It's been much, much more looked after and, and thought about. Right. I, did they ever lose him? Was... <laughs> I'm glad you're getting all these questions. Yeah. <laughs> <Not me. laughs> there, there is an oft-told story that he has left the museum on a couple of occasions, uh, certainly in those earlier days where he wasn't considered part of the collection and certainly not as part of the city as he's thought about now. I right. think, you know, it's not that you want to use today's perceptions of him to judge sure. sort of the thoughts of the past, but I don't know that people were paying as much attention. It was just something that was at the museum and and certainly not a part of the collection or a part of the museum experience. It was just, it wasn't even so much that he was on view as much as he was just in the museum spaces. I love the idea that this tortoise was just wandering around. About when did the museum kind of start, you know, bringing him into the collective fold? I think, I mean, it it happened certainly as while we've been in this building. So we've been on Summer Street uh, since 1970. Mm -hmm. and, And he has been an exhibited specimen item persona mm-hmm. uh, in all of the time that he has been here. I, I really do think, though, that it hasn't been since the 1980s with the sort of celebration of his birthday, which has sort of been a variety of times of the year, but with the celebration of his birthday and, and making more about him and his time in the museum, that it's sort of that his interest in him has escalated. Uh, and so that, I think, has then also made it something that we pay more attention to as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also think that, you know, his time is also what makes it so interesting as well. So I think that it's sort of those two things. But certainly in his time that he's been here on Summer Street, there's been more attention to him as an exhibited piece. For sure. And uh, is it true that you that he was put in an enclosure to, to stop people from touching him? The current enclosure that he is in, yes. Uh, I will say, though, that that enclosure has only been here since 2010. And so really the other 40... 35, 38 years of his time at the museum, he was in an enclosure that was wide open to the public. Mm. People often reached <laughs> in and gave him a little uh, rub on the shell. And and for us, it really became an inability for us to control whose hands are touching Gus when and sure. are they only touching the shell and right. all those kinds of things. And, you know, to be honest, you know, we know a lot about washing your hands for, you know, now <laughs> more than currently than we ever did. <laughs> You know, I mean, that can be a problem. And and it's it's almost not as much about what a person is touching, but what else have they touched? Have they touched other animals? Are there things that can be transmitted to Gus? Those were the things that really become more of the issue. And, you know, and you become the caretakers of something 
for as long as you possibly can. You want to put more effort into that. And that kind of the new enclosure that doesn't allow that touching, um, you know, is something that's better for his longer term care. So tortoises live exclusively on land. Sometimes they might sit in a puddle just for some hydration or um, to get a drink. Um, but, ooh, almost I'm Liz Spence. I'm the assistant curator of interpretation with the museum. And and do you deal with Gus on a day to day basis? I do. So part of the interpretation team's role is to care for Gus and the other live animals. Um, so not every day, perhaps, but other days I get tapped in for Gus walk. <laughs> Sometimes you're cleaning up his poop if he poops in the galleries. All kinds of fun magical moments with Gus. Um, and, uh, uh, how long have you been doing that? That's a great question. I started here in the fall of 2012. Oh, wow. Yeah. Cool. So you've known Gus for a long time. Yep. And I've always wondered, you know, he doesn't have the most expressive, expressive face. Can you vibe out his moods? Like, do you know the days that he's a good mood or he's cranky? Yes. Um, once I was five minutes late starting his walk, mm -hmm. he had already gone back in his house. He kicked some sand at me and kind of made it known that you're late. This is unacceptable. And it took him a couple of minutes to warm up for food. And then another day we were closed. And so we're, we can be a bit more flexible with his timing then. And I took him out and he was so mad at me. He actually, like, I put him down on the ground here in the backyard and he just physically turned his back to me and sat there and wouldn't look at me the entire time. Gus. Yeah. So never be late for Gus Walk is a wow. well-learned lesson. <laughs> um, does he eat seasonally? He does. What's he eating right now? He is loving the grass and the clover. Uh, we do intersperse that with some fruit, usually bananas, berries, but we like to do in-season. So in-season strawberries when we had them. Um, he loves dandelions. That's his first real taste of spring. Um, but other than that, he is a big fan of romaine lettuce, mm -hmm. carrots, broccoli, but it's always the bananas that are the yeah, big ticket. Yeah, I thought that banana yeah. was a big thing. <laughs> the first time I saw him on a walk, I was surprised at how fast he was. He's very fast. Um, I was one of the staff coming in during the closure, so we were taking turns. And you might think you can multitask. You cannot. <laughs> Gus is very fast. Uh, so... When you go on a walk, you'll often see staff right beside him. It's one, for his safety, but two, that he can just be really fast, really surprising. You'll think he's being slow. He's got those little legs going, and you're watching him. <laughs> so, I just, I, is part of your job just, like, fending off children? Sometimes, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a lot of quick, no, no. <laughs> we give him space. We give Gus space. Does anybody have any questions about Gus? Gus will be 99 on Saturday. 99 people years. So he's older than 99. 99 echoes a lot of 98 in as much as we're not having the traditional party that we have, have had for, geez, I don't know, 25 years now. So there won't be a cupcake lemonade uh, bash uh, any any afternoon this this summer. We're going to do online content, uh, talk a lot about Gus, share some Gus stories. Uh, we have some special stickers that people can pick up at the front desk. Uh, there's coloring sheets people can get as well. So we're, we're really doing it in a hands-off 
kind of way. But you can still come to the museum. It's free for the month of August, so you can still stop in and see Gus. Uh, you know, we do a walk every day at three o'clock, so people can still participate in those events. But we're hoping that people come and 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 hang out and sort of pay their birthday respects and check out the rest of the museum as well. And for a hundred, are you going to like rent the Scotiabank Center or something? Not yet, but <laughs> so. I, you know, not all these details are official, of but, course. but since no one has asked, I'll share what we do know so Great. far. Uh, we are looking right now at doing a Gus exhibit uh, in the space where he is right now, really more of a, of a life and times exhibit. It's not, it's not going to be a deep dive into gopher tortoises as much as sort of a way of celebrating the time that he's been with us here at the museum. Uh, so we have, you know, old photos and cards that people have sent and just little things that have come up through the collection or different merchandising that's been had in, in the past, buttons, things that we've had pictures of him on. Uh, there is a multitude of cartoon versions of Gus that have been created over the years. So just celebrating some of those things. We're looking at that being a summer-long exhibit uh, that will happen. His birthday party, we're looking at it right now as doing... Uh, to your Scotiabank uh, point, <laughs> in an effort to create more capacity, yes. uh, we're looking at doing two parties on the, a Saturday, two parties on a Sunday, and the following weekend, the Saturday and Sunday It's as like well. Coachella. Two it weekends. Is, it's exactly like that, <laughs> except we'll have Gus instead of Beyonce. Palmer, but Palmer and I will come play with our bands. There you go. Well, you never know, because some <laughs> other things might add as we go. We are looking at finding ways to make it you know, more of an event in that year. Uh, and to an earlier point you made, there is always increased media interest in the fives. So yeah. uh, in we're my very, time, we're in, very basic. In my time here, <laughs> 90, 95 have both, were both huge years of, of national sort of interest in Gus. And we anticipate that for next year. So we do want to, you know, up our Gus game. We're hoping that we're out of uh, some of the covid restrictions and and pandemic realities so that we are able to do more to celebrate next year and might i suggest a commemorative t-shirt there are some there's some t discussions about Excellent. those very things uh <laughs> in the mix we've also been really thinking about that number 100 like can we do some things in in chunks of 100 to sort of celebrate as well so we are heavily into the planning phase for it uh now we're looking at that sometime in the new year we'll start talking more about it i didn't know turtles ate bananas <laughs> Banana isn't a food that they would normally eat in the wild, but Gus has been eating bananas for a long time. He loves them. Apparently not today, though. I know you get asked this every year because as he's getting closer to 100 next year, uh, people at, probably ask you this every year in your round of media <laughs> interviews. Um, what do you think it is that... What is it about him? Why are people... Like, I'm obsessed. I couldn't... I kind of don't know why, but I am. Like, why do people love him so much? I... I I think he is the perfect mix of all the things that you want to love. I think that he is Go on. because he is he he has the persona whether this is ourselves have reflected it on him or it just is how he seems but he has a curmudgeonly old mm -hmm. man feeling that you just love that little person uh and i think that that's one part of it. I think a big a bigger portion of it i feel and it it seems like what I'm about to say is made up, and I've said it a bunch of times, so it's not starting to feel like it's made up, but <laughs> the reality is there are, and I've seen it, and I know that others who work here have seen it too, there are grandparents who come here with their grandchildren and stand in front of Gus, and I've heard them say it over and over, 
I used to come and see Gus when I was your age. And so when you have had something, anything, that is has that generational connection, mm-hmm. I think that that's a big part of it. Uh, not many of us know anybody, you know, who is 99. Nope. And so to know that, you know, when people start really wrapping their mind around the time, you know, that time binds multiple generations now. And so I think that people then have that kind of, of an emotional connection to Gus as a person. And I think that that's the thing about it too. And I think it's hard for us as a museum to have those kinds of conversations too, because he's become a part of the museum in a, in a personified person way and not, you know, it's not, he's not even like a pet or like a mascot or like uh, anything else. He is just, it's just Gus. It's part of the experience when you come to the museum. And I think that's how it works. I think another part of it, and it's not quite true now, but it has been for years. He is the first thing that you see when you come into the museum. Mm-hmm. He's the last thing that you see when you leave the museum. And that's sort of bookending your experience. If it's as small as a little smile or a full-on taking part in a walk, the vast majority of, you know, we are at now millions of visitors who have been here in the time that he's been here have had some kind of authentic experience with him. Mm-hmm. And I think that that adds to it too. So I think all those things together build out this time where you're now not able to separate your museum experience from a Gus interaction. And so I think that, that that's what it's become. And I think that, you know, it's, it's lovely. It's an amazing thing to have as, you know, as the, the guy who markets the museum. It's wonderful <laughs> to have something like that, you know, for the public. But it's just, it's, it's wonderful to be able to see people's you know, real emotional attachment to a part of what you do at the museum. I think that he he does represent a big part of the museum to people, and it is a lot of that generational thing. Like, I do hear people saying, this is the Gus I met when I was little, and then they'll look at you and be like, right? And you're like, yes, it is the same yeah, it's Gus. It's not like Lassie where you're replacing yeah. them secretly. <laughs> <laughs> same Gus, we promise. Um, and Gus is sweet. He's kind. He kind of just encourages that take a moment Slow down, look at wildlife right in the face that you don't often get to see. Right. And people seem to really like that. I feel you like lettuce. <laughs> lettuce is the favorite today. <laughs> so back to my friend Jacob Boone to take us home. He writes in Citizen Gus from 2018. It takes some practice to discern a tortoise's mood. They aren't known for being expressive. Get on the ground face-to-face with Gus and see what happens. He'll call right up and look you in the eyes, sizing you up amongst the millions of other human faces who've peered down at him over the last century of life. The more you watch, the more Gus's personality emerges. The more you look, the more you see. It's a motto museum staff hope he inspires in visitors when they walk back out into the wilderness around them, when Gus's adopted family walk around this place that is his home. From us at the Tideline and from the whole city, happy Hatch Day, Gus. Well, Liz, speaking of that walk, mm. I don't want to make you late for it. <laughs> <laughs> no, he would not like that at all. <laughs> Thank you both so much. Thank you. Thank you. Happy Hatch Day to you. Happy Hatch Day to you. Happy Hatch Day, dear Gus. Happy Hatch Day. Thank you.
The Tideline is engineered by Palmer Jamison at the Golden Palm and produced by the Halifax Examiner.